0: Hey, everybody. It's that time again. Believe Sports, Business, Sports Media. Also, of course, heard around the world on Podclips. I'm Fred. You can email us at sportsfred at com. Art source in Pennsylvania, former Rams and USC kicker, and he runs uh, Galaxy Sports back in uh, PA. And uh, there's so much to talk about, but let's start talking about something we mentioned right before the show began. Uh, my UCLA Bruins, 6-0. I can't stand Chip Kelly, but uh, that's another story, but uh, they are 6-0. and Only 42,000 at the Rose Bowl last Saturday. Any comments uh, from you?
1: Well, first of all, I think it's fantastic what, uh, what the Bruins have accomplished this year. I mean, yes, they haven't played the most, you know, the toughest schedule in the nation. But uh, what they did to a really good Utah team Saturday, you know, proved to me that Chip Kelly's got this program in the right direction. <laughs> You know they got the the young wideout that you were talking we were talking about from Utah that reminds me a little bit of a Cooper Cup or a Hunter Renfro. Um, they've got DTR who I think is actually pushing himself into the Heisman race, even though he's probably eighth, ninth, or tenth in that in the in the rankings. You vote for it, Fred. You know, um, it's great to see USC and UCLA both undefeated. Um, Attendance in the in the Rose Bowl is a sad, sad byline when they close off the whole end zones with their big tarps, you know, and and then there's, you know, you get the shot from the 30 yard camera across the other way. And they may they may have had forty two thousand people, Fred, but I think a few people dressed like seats.
0: Let me just tell you this. Watching it on TV, though, I thought I would have bet 60 they made it look to me like like every seat was full. They did, again, the end zones weren't, you know, you couldn't, right. but, but. Well, uh, the
1: official, the official, uh, you know, uh, seating arrangements in the Rose Bowl have come down. They've put real seats in there instead of the bench seats. So I think it's 93,000. So you could get 60,000 in there and it wouldn't look really attractive, you know, for TV. But I mean, the thing I'm talking about is throughout the, the whole home season, you know, 20,000, 27,000, 32,000. You know, there's 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 a lot of Angelinos that, that graduated from UCLA. And the Bruins are, you know, one of the bigger teams in Southern California. You're drawn from 14, 15 million people. You would think that you would want kids to come to the game. You would want people to go to the game and, and you know, pull for their university. But I don't understand, Fred. You're out there in Los Angeles. I mean, do they market? Do they do they? You know, give good prices on tickets. What can you go to a UCLA football game, and and you know, as a mom, a dad, and a couple of kids?
0: I think the cheapest seats thirty bucks. You know, that's okay. Not a great so it's ticket. not a,
1: it's not a, it's not a, it's not, not over expensive or inexpensive. It's still going to cost you two three hundred dollars to go to the game,
0: and the average person can't afford them, But let me mention something about college sports. Uh, I subscribe to Athlon, like you might. I, I get seven magazines a year. For forty nine dollars, it's seven dollars a magazine, which is better than in the store. I think it's like twelve ninety nine or twelve ninety nine. Take my word Okay. However, I called Athlon because I not, did not receive my college basketball magazine, and guess what? They're not publishing college basketball anymore. They're not publishing the NBA anymore. But what about that
1: seven thing package we bought for forty nine dollars?
0: So they're they're going to extend it to next year in the football season. So they're down oh. to four of the seven. So what does that mean? And you were into publishing for a lot of years. What does that mean to the future of publishing sports magazines or magazines well, period?
1: Fred, I've actually talked to Athlon a lot. I know the people that run the company. They are just nobody reads anymore. First of all, it's all it's all it's like the Sporting News is on the internet now. You can't go buy a copy of the Sporting News, my favorite all time publication. You know, like the National was when it was out the original USA Today with its color and all the packages they had. You know, now they're like, uh, it's like, okay, here. Actually, I will tell you this. I went on the internet and I read the USA Today the other day, and they do a much better job on their internet. They actually have Saturday and Sunday coverage as well. But it seems to me like the print medium is dead, gone, kaput, whatever you want to call it. And I feel bad for Athlon. I feel bad because, I mean, I grew up in the magazine business. We had high school sports magazines. We had a Rams magazine, a Raiders magazine. I mean, it kept me busy. You know, I loved it. That's why I'm still in sports because of that. But uh, you remember about five years ago, Fred, they had an Athlon uh, high school sports magazine. Yeah. yeah. Well, that was really, really well done. They, they profiled the top couple hundred kids in the nation. And then they, they looked at the juniors and sophomores who were coming up and, it was fantastic because I, I love high school sports to this day, and it gives you an idea of who the up-and-coming stars are. But it's a sad byline, Fred, but I am excited about the college football weekend. Alabama and Tennessee, we find out, is this Hendon Hooker for real, the quarterback of Tennessee? Is Josh Heupel got this team ready to compete with Lord Saban? You know, you got SC going to uh, to uh, Utah. Oh, boy. You don't want to play in that environment, especially after Utah getting beat by Florida and UCLA. You know, you look down the thing, you got Penn state going to play in the big house, biggest game in in Penn state in probably 15 years. And uh, they're playing great football, but Harbaugh has got a Michigan team. That's not easy to play at, especially in front of 107,000 people. So it's exciting. We got the bills, the bills are going to be in Kansas city again. If they can live up to that playoff game last year, I'll be amazed. (laughs)
0: All right, so who do you like uh, right now, uh, Caleb Williams of USC or, or D.T.R. of UCLA, is the better quarterback? I think D.T.R. has has uh, a
1: little more upside to me because, is is and they're both both evasive. They both can run. Um, I think I think Caleb Williams has a lot more a lot more great receivers to work with. But I will tell you this: um, what what he doesn't have is. I really believe that this running back Charbonnet is for real. And you know, nothing against the kids that SE have; they're good too. The transfer dive that came from Oregon—he's excellent. Um, he's always like it seems like a half a step away from breaking it, you know. And but what I love about Charbonnet is he gets the ball and he pounds it, and he starts looking for safeties to run over. See, those are my kind of John Riggins style tailbacks. You know, oh, really, you want to come attack? We'll be here. Have a little bit of this. I like that attitude. That's what's funny about the Bruins. The Bruins are playing real smash mouth football, and SC's, you know, throwing the ball all over the yard under Lincoln Riley. And so it's it's kind of fun to see. But I'm excited. Both schools undefeated. Gotta think it run the if they could run the gamut. What a what a great game that would be at the end of the year.
0: Talking source, co-host uh, back in Pennsylvania, Galaxy Sports, former kicker for the Rams and, and the Trojans right here on Believe Sports Business, Sports Media, also heard on pod clips. You can email us at sportsfred at AOL.com. Let me put you on the spot. Again, you played 40 years ago, but you were on the Rams, and you were in other uh, practice teams, the development teams. So you might have more of a clue than I about this, but Tommy Tuberville, the former coach at Auburn. USA did a story about this on uh, Tuesday of this week, Wednesday of this week, I believe. And um, he went to Las Vegas. He went to Nevada to speak for Donald Trump. You know, one of those kind of trying to pick up some dough. Aren't they
1: supporting Laxalt, the guy that's running yeah, for yeah, the senator? Coming, I mean, you know, it was the Donald
0: Trump type right. people watching. And he made comments like this. Folks, they all want reparations. Uh, they're thieves. Now, that can only mean one thing, as the article wrote, as the writer wrote, he's a racist. How many, quarter, how many white quarterbacks, white quarterbacks, white coaches have made millions off of black athletes, and they have these feelings inside that Tuberville came out with just last week? Your comments.
1: You know, Fred, uh, I know Tommy Tuberville. I've met him a few times. I've covered a few games over the last 35 years, whether he was at Auburn or Cincinnati, or wherever he was from. I, I actually am, am not against Tommy Tomberville. I did not hear what he said, so it's hard for me to actually make an opinion based on what I've read, because I've read three different things on it, and they were both, all three of them. I've never seen the video. Um, I would hope to not, you know, to even get involved in that kind of stuff, but hey, when do the Sicilians get our reparations? When do the Jews get their reparations? OK, this is all a bunch of a crock of crap, if you really want to know. OK, and the bottom line is there's so much hatred and divisiveness in this country right now. I don't even want to get involved in it anymore. OK, I really don't. And we got buffoons running this country and we're going right down the tubes worried about, you know, whether we're going to be green, blue, yellow, you know, or Martian. I, I don't know anymore, Fred. Sorry.
0: But he did use the word reparations. That could only mean one group of people, right? Again, again that's semantics, you know. And
1: I, I can't judge a man on one word. I mean, the man, the, he, has, he has kids that played for him at Auburn that absolutely love him, black and white. I mean, I played for a coach at USC. I had 85 guys on, on our 100-man roster who were, were either black or Hispanic or people of color. You know, even mostly tatupu, we all got along great, Fred, because we had one goal that's to be national champions to wear a ring like that, okay, and we didn't care if anybody came after one of the black guys, the white guys were there. If anybody came out after one of us white guys, the black guys were there, and that went throughout the whole team, and that's what we need to realize that we're one one people in this world, okay, maybe we need to meet somebody from another galaxy okay so that we can all come together and, and face a common foe because i'm so tired of people fracturing and, and going back to racism yes this country had a racist past fred okay there's no doubt about it but i think we've come so far you have no idea we have a long way to go can we leave it at that let's talk about the dodgers what they did to joe musgrove with this uh, feely touchy would you let somebody come and grab your ears if you're pitching in a major league game what you look at. <laughs> i'm with you there the, the kissing band at Morgana is coming in
0: <laughs> folks uh, uh, this is believe sports business sports media also heard on fivelipy's art i'm fred you can email us sportsfred at aol.com, dot com at a o l dot com we'll talk to the baseball in a moment but uh, i i do want to talk about uh, n f l coaches are, how do some of these guys get their jobs? Now, listen, Josh Well, McGann, they have the right
1: last name. They, uh, they probably started as, as interns, you know, for a coach who gave them a chance, maybe breaking down film, and they hung in there, and they worked their butts off for nothing. And then all of a sudden, they're 33, and they get a job as maybe a special teams coach or the guy that grabs the burgers for the coaches before they watch film. You know, and all of a sudden, you're there. And really and truly, you know, there is nepotism in the National Football League. When you see guys like, you know, Sean McVay, who was a genius, now he's a bum. You see people like Kyle Shanahan. You know, you you look at guys like Mike McDaniel, who was Kyle Shanahan's best buddy, ball boys, you know, in Denver as kids. And now he's coaching the Miami Dolphins. But more importantly, Fred, what are we going to do with Dan Snyder? I hear he has dirt on all the NFL owners.
0: And that's apparently the reason that they're not pushing to get him fired. They find him the organization ten million, which is nothing to him. It's a dime to some of us, but uh, uh, apparently he's got information on Goodell and some of the other owners, and so mm-hmm. they're staying away from him. And uh, we'll see how that works out. But, but I do want to talk about Brandon Staley with the uh, L.A. Chargers uh, last Sunday.
1: The worst football now, coach in the history of the world when it comes to managing a game.
0: Okay, but, but, but let me just say this. Um, folks, if you've watched the game against Cleveland, um, they're up 30 to 28. They're on their own 46-yard line. They've got uh, third down, and so they don't make it. So now they got fourth down, and they try to make the first down. I think it's fourth and four. They don't make it. So what they've done here is give Cleveland – a more than 50-50 shot of winning the game because all you need is 10 yards for a 53, 54-yard field goal. Now they missed the field goal. So people are sort of getting off Staley's back. But let's go Staley. The odds are against him. The odds of an NFL kicker, you probably know this more than me, of making a 53-yard field goal, I would say 65 to 75% if you're a professional kicker. So he gave the Chargers a 25 to 30% shot of winning versus 75%. What's going on with these minds? How can you do something
1: like that? Well, he's one of those coaches that can snap snatch victory from the jaws of defeat. You know I mean, he's terrible. He, he, the guy, the guy has, has proven over and over again. And I, he's a wonderful, wonderful defensive coordinator. But again, I think he's too young to be a head coach. And there's a lot of that situation in the NFL. But here's my point, Fred. What you do is you take the snap, you punt it, you kick it in the coffin corner, pin him in there back inside the 10-yard line around the 8-yard line, make him march with no timeouts, you know, all the way to the 30-yard line, a 47-yard field goal. Earlier this year, Cade York, the Browns kicker, made a 58-yarder to win their opening game. So he does have the potential to take it downtown. Now, the head coach has got to know this guy can kick the ball from 60 yards. Why would you make the call that he made? I don't know. I look at some of the decisions made by great coaches. I mean, even watching, you know, that the Sunday night game with Kansas City and the Raiders, there were a lot of questionable calls there. Why would you go for two? Okay. I mean, this, it was like, I I have no idea. You've come, you had the lead, you lost, you came back. Hey, you guys are playing good football. Kick the extra point, tie the game up, play some good defense with four minutes to play. And you got a chance to beat Kansas City, change your season as the Raiders, now you're 2 and 3 instead of 1 and 4 and Kansas
0: City's 3 and 2. I let me let me interrupt you. I think Andy Reid up 30 to 23 went for the two. It was nonsense. He said that uh, you know we could be two two scores ahead. I think it's because Matt Wright, the substitute kicker, had missed a short field goal. He wasn't sure he could make the extra point. I really firmly believe that even though Wright made like a 58 or 59 yard one too, but he missed a short one. I didn't think he had confidence. him. he's not going to say that in a press conference, but I think that might've been in his head. What are your thoughts? I
1: agree. I, hey, when you have Harrison Butker, who is like money in the clutch, and he could go from downtown too. There's such a huge drop off, Fred, between the top 10 kickers in the national football league. And then the guys that maybe would go between 30 and 40. And once you start getting guys hurt, you get into that range kind of where I was. (laughs) And we were good kickers, but we're 60, 70% accuracy vis-a-vis Justin Tucker, 97.5% accuracy. and That's from, you know, anywhere inside 60. So, yeah, I agree with you on Andy Reid on that play. That was the reason why he did it because, hey – the one thing the NFL did I love, when they moved the extra point back to 33 yards, they brought a lot, be- a lot more excitement into the game of football. And, and you know, you,
0: you, you mentioned uh, uh, Josh McDaniel going uh, for, for the two instead of tying it at one. And you've got the better kicker, the more consistent kicker. Carlson's got some long streak of never missing versus yeah, Matt was- Wright. And he doesn't give him the shot to prove it in overtime. And so that's beyond belief also. Well, I call him
1: McDoofus. So, you know, because I watched, I call him Josh McDoofus because I watched what he did in Denver. Then he had the Indianapolis job and he decided to change his mind. Okay, wait a minute. They're offering you $50 million and you have problems with that? Oh, you want to go back underneath mother hen, Mr. Belichick's, you know, skirt? Come on, buddy. What has he done on his own? I mean, what is, okay, let's be real. What have any of Bill Belichick's disciples as coaches done as coaches?
0: That's a good right, one. you got about two minutes left here. So on, I believe sports business sports media also are done pod clips on Wednesday night. The Dodgers are facing the Padres in Game Two. We're taping this on Thursday, folks. And Dodgers win the first game, and the second game, the Dodgers are trailing in the eighth inning, five to three, and they got two guys on base. Bellinger's up. Now, haters on the mound for San Diego, and he's pitching better lefty, certainly. Do you pinch it Bellinger with your catcher, Austin Barnes? Now, listen, Barnes is a very good defensive catcher, but you need a couple of runs here. You've got two guys on base. You've got guys on first and third. Who's more liable to get lucky and hit a home run? I realize Bellinger's not what he was three years ago. He's a 200 hitter, but Barnes is a 250 hitter. Bellinger will still get you 20 home runs. Barnes will get you five to six. He pinch hit Bellinger. He pinch hit Bob Barnes for Bellinger. Maybe Chris Taylor, but you, what are your comments?
1: I wouldn't have had Chris Taylor. If I was going to pinch hit lefty against righty, I would have went with Chris Taylor. Um, I personally, I mean, let's look at the Dodgers. When you have a former National League MVP from 2019 batting in your number nine position, you're a pretty strong team, Okay. Now, a I would either let Bellinger hit, b pinch hit a guy that's a real good a good stick in clutch situations, Chris Taylor, but not my backup catcher. I'll tell you who's growing on me though. This Will Smith, can he play? I mean, who would have thought he'd be the Dodger cleanup hitter in that lineup? I be the, the guy's a ball player, great calls, great games, and I'm going to tell you, I've also kind of fallen in love with uh, Freddie Freeman. Freddie Freeman can rake. I mean, what he he came that close. The guy, the guy's amazing, absolutely amazing. I'm still concerned about the Dodger closer in the bullpen.
0: I uh, I, I went on Facebook this morning, Thursday morning, and said, Doc Roberts, let them play. He's over managing. Is he? Is he, not, is he not overmanaging? Let them play. I'm sure, They're the better- heck is. Are better than the opponents they have more talent than the opponents why take that away from the players on the field hey Fred
1: speaking of a great player what do you think of this Jordan Alvarez for the Houston Astros is this kid big money in October he's like Reggie Jackson we're going to call him Mr. October 2 I guess we got to call him
0: you do I agree with
1: you Fred they got to let these kids play the Dodgers are too talented let them go do their thing I'm real interested to see how Gonsolin comes to the party uh, in game three tomorrow down in San Diego.
0: Now, let me just, you mentioned Alvarez. You realize, of course, the Dodgers had it. He was the Dodgers property.
1: I traded, looked him up earlier traded, before
0: the show. I said, how do we let him go? They traded him six, seven years ago for a relief pitcher that nobody's heard of. I don't know where you put him in the lineup. I guess Will Smith was back fifth, but my point is that they had him. You know, the people talk about the Dodgers this, the Dodgers that, and the great management. Well, one of the reasons they're so-called great management is they got more money than anybody except maybe the Mets. So they're spending it. But they've made mistakes. And this one, Alvarez, for the next 10, 15 years, is going to be a Hall of Famer. They gave him away. He'll probably Almost cost
1: there. the Dodgers a world championship somewhere down the line. <laughs> all
0: right. All right. Finally, very, very quickly. You're say today on uh, Thursday – They've got the a- NFL MVP, though I don't disagree with the fact that these are the three number one choices in Goldschmidt, uh, Manny Machado, and Noah, uh, Nolan Arano. But to me, Mookie Betts is the best player all around, maybe in baseball. Why aren't any of the Dodgers mentioned? You mentioned Freeman. Why well,
1: isn't Fred Freeman involved in that? Right. I mean, he's Freeman even- had as good a year. You know why? Because they don't get to stay up and watch the games way late back east. All the media – in New York and in Washington, D.C. We've always talked about, you know, the East Coast bias in sports. That's a perfect example of what I'm talking about, okay? And how come Jordan Alvarez isn't mentioned in AL MVP? He's probably the third or fourth best player. I mean, had a great year. So I, I don't know what's going on with all those awards and things like that. But, Fred, I will tell you, the kid that plays center field, Harris, for Atlanta, you told me about him. I finally have got to see him up close. He's going to be amazing as he seven, grows. Seven, he
0: signed for $72 million for eight years, which is sort of a balance. Uh, he might get hurt. and He still has $72 million, but if he proves to what we think he's going to be, uh, he's signed for much fewer dollars. than He'll that, be that- screaming <laughs> about year five on that deal. <laughs> All right. Uh, Mario, thank you very much. Artie, thank you very much. I'm Fred, part Clips, and uh believe sports business sports media and we'll see you all around the corner including uh, all weekend long on sports overnight america everybody stay well thank you for listening to the show and we'll see you around the corner bye everybody thanks mario go bears tonight